Hello and welcome to the Petty Prophet Podcast, where we discuss culture and politics from a Christian perspective. I am your host, Joel Berry, and I am uh, back at you for the first time in a couple weeks with a solo episode, because uh, I, you know, I just have a few thoughts and observations to get off my chest here before we get into the man hug later this week, and I hope you find them helpful, meaningful. Uh, but first, before we get into it, uh, I want to remind you that if you have questions for me, if you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can reach out at contact at thepettyprofit.com, and I would love to hear from you. And if there's any way I can help you uh, in this kind of time of crisis that we're experiencing right now, a lot of people out of work, a lot of people facing uncertain futures, I want you to know that I am praying for you. A few of you sent letters to me just this morning, and I did pray for you. I, I do pray for you when I get those. So if you have a prayer request, if you have something you'd like me to pray for, uh, feel free to send it in, and I would love to uh, pray for you. If there's any other way I can help, I would love to do that. Uh, we are all in this together. But today I uh, have some thoughts or observations, if you will, about what's going on currently. And more specifically, I want to talk about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge and wisdom, uh, because we, I think we are seeing that difference play itself out uh, before our eyes as we watch the managers and response teams and religious leaders and political leaders handle and respond to uh, this virus crisis in America. And this crisis has definitely given our experts their opportunity to shine, their opportunity to do what they do best, um, to share their incredible knowledge and skill with the world. And we're thankful for these people. We need these people, the people that crunch numbers, the people that prepare for things like pandemics, the people that think about the supply chain and how to respond to a crisis situation, how to plan for a crisis situation. All these things are extremely important. But one thing I think is is more noticeable than ever now is that knowledge, smarts, IQ, does not necessarily equal wisdom. First example I want to point to is uh, Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates, obviously a genius, a guy who sees the world from a different angle than most people. He has invented incredible products that have changed the world. Uh, he is a multi-billionaire, and uh, he has spent the last several years of his life dedicated to uh, philanthropy around the world, and specifically when it comes to preparing for a pandemic. And he actually uh, warned people about our lack of preparedness for a pandemic in a, in a TED Talk a few years ago. He talked about the dangers that uh, we face with our lack of preparation for what we're facing now with COVID-19. And some of what he said a few years ago has been vindicated. He has proven himself to be a, a really smart guy. I want to make sure we remember, though, that knowledge does not necessarily equate to wisdom. Now, what is wisdom? And, and how can someone who is extremely smart and know a lot of facts not be wise? How is that possible? I first really kind of took notice of the difference between knowledge and wisdom when I was a freshman in college. And I remember sitting in sociology class and listening to 
teachers citing these studies that had lasted for decades and millions of dollars had been poured into these studies in order to come to a conclusion that any guy off the street could tell you was common sense. And these scientists would, you know, who who have lived in their laboratories and in within the walls of their universities for most of their lives would act like these were some kind of startling, groundbreaking, shocking discoveries that they had uncovered. And, and you could go to any Joe Sixpack down the street and he'd be like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> and uh, I always thought that was kind of funny. So some people think of wisdom and, and they might define it as kind of a common sense. You know, that homegrown common sense that we get from our parents and get from our grandparents, the stuff that only comes with experience living on this earth a long time, the stuff that comes from people who have lived longer than us, who passed down their wisdom to us. But what is the Christian definition of wisdom? The Bible in Proverbs 9 defines wisdom this way, and I think this is very interesting. It says in Proverbs 9.10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I think wisdom or at least a big part of wisdom, is seeing the world as it truly is, understanding the nature of reality. And as a Christian, I don't believe you can have a full understanding of reality, of the human condition, of the solution for the human condition, unless you have the right starting point, unless you acknowledge the Creator, the God who made us, who made us in His image, that starting point is so essential to how we see the world and whether or not a person is truly wise or just smart. You know, Bill Gates is passionate about increasing life expectancy. He's passionate about ending poverty in the third world. He is passionate about helping countries prepare for a pandemic situation, but he does not have the starting point that we Christians have. He doesn't fear the Lord, and he doesn't see human beings as fallen creatures made in the image of God with a sin nature. And those details are extremely important. To Bill Gates, we are not eternal souls made in the image of God. We are something else. And it shows in the way he responds to what he sees in the world. He sees poverty, he sees death, he sees sickness, and he does what he does best. He, he tinkers. Bill Gates is a tinkerer. He spent his whole young life putting together circuit boards and programming software and debugging software code. And to an expert like that, you know, to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. He is going to naturally, you know, this is the human, natural human tendency. He's going to naturally apply his skills and his natural bent towards human beings. And so what is he doing, for example, in Africa? Well, one thing he's doing is he's fully convinced that a big driver of poverty in the third world is too many people and too many children. So he is pushing abortion in the third world. And I've heard pro-life Africans talk about this, and they call it cultural imperialism. Africa is a very pro-life continent. And Bill Gates, through his foundation, has spent millions and millions of dollars supporting and pushing a pro-choice worldview in Africa 
because he is convinced that if he can tinker with the human population, that if he can tinker with birth rates, that he can solve some of our most pressing and most important problems. What's another thing that he's doing? He He's donating billions of dollars to put a satellite array in space that would take high-definition video of every square inch of the planet 24-7. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, uh, he's starting to sound like a Bond villain at this point. <laughs> and, you know, in his mind, it, it makes sense. You know, we can, we can stop crimes. We can, uh, we can f- catch people who are illegally fishing. We can monitor people who aren't social distancing. We can monitor the movement of people. We can monitor conflicts in the third world. He doesn't seem as concerned about the invasion of privacy, the invasion of freedom, the chance for the abuse of this power by fallen men, corrupt leaders, because I don't think he has a full grasp of the sin condition, the tendency towards corruption and decay that results from the fall of man, sin, original sin. He has no concept of that because he's a materialist. So a lot of what I'm seeing now with the coronavirus crisis is, you know, experts are important. They get their chance in moments like these to shine and to to do their work. But I also see this tendency of some to place way too much faith and trust in these experts. And we need to remember that genius does not necessarily translate into wisdom. We need wisdom. I mean, Bill Gates is suggesting that we do away with gatherings over 10 indefinitely until a vaccine is produced next year. We have experts suggesting that maybe we make these shutdowns of the economy a yearly thing or a twice yearly thing. We have Dr. Fauci, Trump's own advisor, his own medical expert suggesting that we should keep the country shut down until there are no new recorded cases of COVID-19 and no new deaths. Now, I'll give him the benefit of a doubt. Maybe he misspoke there. I hope he did. But that's insane, if indeed that's what he meant. Is that wise? Is it wise to keep our country shut down that long? Now, we also need wisdom to temper that expertise with consideration for human freedom. And so I think now uh, the world, our country, our culture, more than ever, needs Christians who are wise, not wise in their own eyes, not with worldly wisdom, but with God's wisdom, who can look upon the world and make judgments based on reality, the reality that God exists, the reality that a moral order exists, the reality that we are made in his image. We aren't specks in a test tube, we aren't ants in an ant farm. We are something more than that, and a truly wise person will recognize that. There's something else I want to talk about, and that is uh, what I've kind of seen as the left-right partisan divide that has naturally occurred along this issue. I think it's very interesting, and I want to tell you why I feel like it's so important for Christians to be salt and light as we kind of stand in this gap between these opposing cultural forces we observe, this this rift that we see tearing itself through our country. It really has been eye-opening 
to watch America's response to COVID-19. In some ways, it's been exciting. It's been encouraging to see the love and resiliency of our people as we come together to fight an invisible enemy. I'm amazed. I'm amazed by how well people are cooperating. Not everyone is cooperating, but most people are voluntarily. I I mean, it's amazing. (laughs) We live in a country of good people, good-hearted people, (laughs) and good neighbors. And, And I am encouraged to see that. But in other ways, I've found myself a little bit dismayed at the deepening cultural and political divide, which seems to only widen in the presence of a crisis. On one side, I see a progressive left terrified of death, but on the other side, I see a conservative right terrified of tyranny. There has been such an instinctual, emotionally charged gravitation to one of these two extremes, one of these two poles, if you will. I feel like the left holds an almost religious devotion to the modern priesthood of scientists and experts, while the right seethes with contempt for these elites, their ever-changing computer models, their seeming lack of common sense. And I must confess, I naturally feel the urge every day to run to one of these two extremes, and anyone who knows me can guess (laughs) what extreme that is. For whatever reason, God has wired me with a love for risk for skepticism, for messy liberty. But there's one problem, though, and that is I'm also a Christian. That makes things a little more complicated because Christians are aliens. We don't belong here in a lot of ways. We don't comfortably fit into either of these extremes. Over the past few weeks, I've had to temper my political instincts with a love for my neighbor and an obedience to God-ordained authority, and that is really hard for me. (laughs) Really, really hard. As much as my flesh instinctively wants to wave the flag of reckless, bloody civil liberty at any cost, I also serve a God who commands me to deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And I think I fail more often than I succeed. And if you follow me on social media, you can probably attest to that. (laughs) But trust me, for everything that I post on social media, there's about 10 things I either delete or refrain from posting. (laughs) I am a rabid libertarian who finds myself trembling with fear at what I see as an erosion of civil liberties in this country and an erosion of constitutional rights in this country. But it is fear. That fear doesn't come from God. My left-leaning Christian friends, my progressive Christian friends, are not off the hook, though, either. For those who feel more at home placing faith in people and in institutions, or those who feel paralyzed with fear at the thought of a silent killer coming for them or a loved one, God has greater peace and wisdom or even shrewdness to offer them as well. Christians have always had to straddle the middle between opposing cultural forces. We follow a Jesus who was the truth, yet full of grace. We are called to do justice, yet love mercy. We are commanded to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The Christian walk is full of these dichotomies. And it's a hard path to follow because it's the path Jesus followed. And we all know how it ended for him. No matter which political extreme your instincts and desires naturally lean towards, Jesus has work to do on you. There's always an adjustment that needs to be made. Always another branch to prune as we are conformed into the image of Christ. And that is always uncomfortable. It's been uncomfortable for me. That's why I believe Christians have a special role to play 
in healing the deep divide in our nation. We stand right in the middle of that divide. If you are a Christian who leans left, God has work to do on you. If you are a Christian who leans right, God has work to do on you. No matter what side you're on, you are specifically and specially equipped to address certain fears in our culture, and most importantly, to point to Jesus. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus came to this world and became a man in order to spread to other men the kind of life he has by what I call the good infection. Every Christian is to become a little Christ. The whole purpose of becoming a Christian is simply nothing else. In this crisis, I've been blessed to see Christians slowly, sometimes painfully, move outside political comfort zones towards something that looks more like Jesus. And I hope we can keep doing it, because I think that is what our country needs. Let us continue to be driven by the love of Christ and informed by the wisdom that is from above, not the wisdom of man. And those are my thoughts for you today. We will be back later this week with another edition of The Man Hug with my brothers Aaron and Sam. I look forward to that, and I look forward to you joining us Don't forget to check us out on iTunes. Give us a five-star review. That really helps. You can write us at contact at thepettyprofit.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Until later this week, have a good one.